Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. By the way, I have watched, I have watched it four times. You know to say that. Watch I've watched the movie four times. Have you? Uh-huh. You've watched it more than I have. I know, you've only watched it twice. <laughs> I, no, I think I've watched it four times. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I have watched the movie Wonder Woman, to be honest, four times. Once in the theater, the rest of them from the comfort of my home. I wanted my daughters to be able to watch it and kind of feel empowered and strong and brave. And to be honest, I mean, it is really quite entertaining. So imagine actually being in that movie, being one of the envied Amazons. And that is the starting point of today's podcast. Our guest, trainer, stuntwoman, spokesperson, Zoe Shelley is joining us. So welcome to episode eight of Living Your Life with Leanne Lang. This podcast sponsored by Extension Marketing. And for more information, check out extensionmarketing.com. Zoe, it is so great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I gave you kind of three titles right there, but as the yes. podcast develops, you're going to realize that there are so many other titles that uh, that you have okay. embodied. Okay. <laughs> Can we start? I think I'm going to kind of move backwards in, in this mm-hmm. podcast and kind of start with kind of this climax of being in this blockbuster movie mm. uh, and how it really came about because this was never something you had intended on doing or the life that you no. had kind of intended on going not at all wonder woman came about completely by chance it was never something i looked for being in a film acting is not my thing at all at all um and it was uh, i was teach i just got into p- the personal training mm-hmm. scene and i was teaching a reformer pilates class and uh, one of my regular clients there, she happened at the time to be temping at a casting agency that was casting for this film. And she comes in one day. But you didn't know the film that was being cast no, for, did not you? At all. Like you? No, I did. So yeah. all she said to me, she came in one day and she said, uh, the casting agency are looking for tall, athletic women uh, for this film. It's a big Hollywood film. Can you do it? I said, well, what, what is it? You know, how long is the commitment? Money? Mm-hmm. What's the money like? She couldn't answer any of those questions. Um, we should so- mention that you're 5'10". Yes, I'm tall. I'm very tall. Okay, I should mention for those of you, I mean, for those of you watching, you can see this. For those of you listening, I mean, 5'10", this beautiful complexion, killer body. Okay, so so it was an easy kind of this is what they're looking for. Okay, now you can go um, on. And... So I didn't, because I, I said, oh, well, you know, my business was taking off really well with the personal training, and I didn't really have time for another commitment, and I, she didn't give me any information, so I didn't follow up on it. And then a couple of weeks later, she came back, and she said, they're really struggling with this role. Um, all you got to do is send off a few photos to this address, and I had 10 minutes before class. I thought, all right, so sent them off. Kind of didn't think anything of it. And then a couple of weeks later, I got called into the Warner Brothers studios just outside of London. Uh, for an audition and all they'd said before the audition was can you wear crop top and leggings because you're going to be acting and they want to see your physique acting moving I mm-hmm. should say okay. not acting and uh, again we had no idea what the film was no idea what we were auditioning for and we were in a group of about 10 and there were blocks of 10 going in sort of every hour through the day okay for several but days. but groups of 10 by the hundreds I mean, oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You, you had 10 throughout the entire day. I mean, there were hundreds. Yeah, okay. hundred, I think even thousands that were. Thousands, wow. Okay, yeah, very. <laughs> um, and they gave us these sticks, and they taught us uh, what turned out to be a sword fighting routine. Mm-hmm. Not with another person, just you on your own going through some moves. So we rehearsed that several times, went through the choreography, and then they filmed each of us. Uh, that was really fun. And then the next part of the audition was they put us in front of a crash mat and they said, someone's going to, you know, pretend to hit you and slug you in the guts and, and we want you to react and throw yourself back on the crash mat. So we did that for five, ten minutes. They filmed it also. So much fun. And, and then they said, you know, any sort of gymnastic-y stuff you can do, handstands or splits or pistol squats, and, you know, they filmed bits of that. I really didn't want to leave. I really enjoyed the yeah. audition a lot. But again, still no idea what it was. No one would tell us what it was left um and then there were a series of auditions um 
the the last one culminated in, and it was I think the most terrifying experience of my life. There were about there must have been about sixty of us in a room, big room. There was these big uh, Warner Brothers studios. They looked like aircraft hangars. And it was by like, this I, point, how much had you been narrowed down? Well, from hundreds, thousands to these to the sixty. 60. Okay. Yeah. Um, Can I ask, like, what was it like each time getting that callback, even then? Well. Uh, I, I couldn't get that excited because I didn't know what it was for. Okay. You know, and I had my other mm-hmm. business, which was going great. Um, each audition was fun because it was very unusual. Mm-hmm. And they weren't asking you to act ever, which I was relieved by. Right. It was just move, which I can do the moving. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, this last one. You have the X Factor here? Yes. You have the X Factor? Yeah. yeah. So it was very X Factor-esque. So there was a big black curtain that went down the middle of the room. And on one side, rows and rows of chairs that we were all sitting in. And on the other side of this curtain, there were maybe 10 or 15 director's chairs uh, full of the director, Patty Jenkins. And then, you know, the high-level producers (laughs) and people who would be training the Amazons and just scary-looking people sitting in these chairs. And they didn't give us any warning of this. They brought us in the room and they said... Okay, you're going to each take it in turns to go into that, to go in front of those people, and you have one minute to show them how you are strong as a woman. And there was no preparation time. No. Oh, my God. Okay. What? So, so how, <laughs> how do you conceptualize strong as a woman? Well, uh, luckily for me, this space was in the process of being turned into what would be the gym where they would train the Amazons. Okay. So there was a lot of gym equipment around. So I thought, right. Something I can do, which is probably quite unusual for a lot of the girls in here, is Olympic weightlifting. So I grabbed a bar, and I grabbed some plates, and I loaded it up, and I did a very quick warm-up. And then I rolled a bar in there, and I just did a 30-second kind of barbell complex. Um, and there was another girl who's a big crossfitter in the, the pool. She also did a similar thing. Um, but thank God I had that because my mind would otherwise have completely drawn a blank in this in this terrifying moment. Because, of course, you can hear what's going on on the other side of the curtain. Even okay. if you can't see it. And you know you've got your, your 60 other girls sitting there listening, waiting silently. Um, but what some of the other things the girls did, there were a lot of gymnastic, um, people from gymnastic backgrounds. Mm. So they did, you know, flips, flips. amazing, yeah. amazing things. Dancers did a similar thing. Um, some of the girls came from a sort of model background. So they just did a kind of fierce strut <laughs> type. Thing. Okay. There was one girl who went in who just, she was brilliant. She just went in and screamed this kind of blood curdling, terrifying, sort of warrior esque scream, which mm-hmm. was amazing, but very unexpected and unique. Um, Did she make it? She made it to what was then. Uh. So this wasn't the final. <laughs> oh my God. This, this, this was to bring us down to a, a final, must have been 40. And then those 40 girls went through a two-week boot camp, which was two weeks of um, gym training. All our training was gym training and then stunts training. Okay, so you went from the 60 to 40. Down to 40. And then that was two weeks. I think uh, we would do 8 till 12 Yeah, Had they told you yet after when you're in the the 60? So at this point, we knew what it was for, that it was for Wonder Woman at this final X Factor audition. Okay, so when the 60 of you were sitting there... Yeah, they actually told yeah. you what it so was. So we for. knew then kind of what okay. was at stake. And that was Did you not freak out when you thought like this was such a new it was kind of, it it was it was amazing but again, I'm very much I don't want to get ahead of okay. myself. I knew I still didn't have a part in it. I knew there was still a boot camp to get through and it was kind of okay, just keep just it together. Breathe. Okay. Just, <laughs> um but obviously very very exciting. Um and then the boot camp was hard because they <laughs> killed us in the gym uh, for two weeks. And then we sort of started learning the basics of sword fighting and some basic martial arts. And then at the end of those two weeks, there was obviously input from the, the gym trainers. And then uh, we had to film, uh, it was about a one minute long choreography where there were two, you fought against another mm-hmm. girl, obviously a fixed choreography. And then we had to sit and wait for the callback for that. That was Did, very nerve Was that – okay, so you had never really done a – I'm, I'm assuming you sword never fighting? really had done no, sword fighting. No, that had not, <laughs> that not featured in my life before. <laughs> it had not been on your resume. No. Uh, I mean, the choreography aspect I can see, but 
you have to really trust, I'm thinking, the other person as well, that the choreography is going to go the way you Well, they didn't give us actual swords, so that helped. Okay. They gave us sticks for this part. And then Still, from, a stick is going to hurt if it and hits you. And sometimes it did. And that was one of the things that they were looking at in the boot camp was how dangerous were you as a performer. And there were some girls who did not get through because they were too dangerous. They didn't have control over their movement and they would okay. accidentally hurt people. Okay. Um, and you just can't afford to have that happening mm-hmm. on set. Um, so that was a big part of it. But, I mean, you say the choreography, you can, you can see the choreography. I actually found really difficult. Um, I don't have one of those brains. Like when you see professional dancers mm-hmm. and they look at a choreography and they like they have to see it once and then they've got it. They can just copy it. My brain obviously does not work like that. So I had to, that was quite tough for me to, I really had to practice and get these things fixed in my head. Um, but it was a, a new challenge mm-hmm. and a great one. Um, so yeah. So then that 40 got cut to a final 20. And then... And then there were different groups of Amazons. So we were, the 20 of us were, we had the very inelegant title of SPACTS, which which stood for Special Action Artists. Okay. Not even, I don't know how they get to SPACT. We were the SPACTS. Um, then you had uh, horse riders. So okay. we didn't do any horse riding. We were just mm-hmm. foot soldiers, if you like. So it was a whole different set of um, horse riders. Then there was a, a whole different group of um uh, Amazons who were part of the Queen's Guard, who were uh, seriously, like, seriously tonk. Um, and little groups. But this tw- this group of 20 of us, we stuck very much together. We had the exact same training then over the next six months, and we became a very kind of solid Very tight unit. group. Yeah. Okay, you say that just so in passing, the next six months. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, oh, and then the next is six months. So here you are, having established your business, yes. you know, you're going in, and then you say, in the next six months. Yeah. This was a long process. Like, were you anticipating, yeah. like, a six-month commitment to... No, and this was, um, even actually after I found out that it was Wonder Woman, after I found out that I'd been accepted into it, I had an agonizing few days where I thought my business that I've I've found something I love doing personal training that I'm good at that I'm just kind of ramping up with mm-hmm. and it's going really well and I am very full on do I want to almost take a step back from that take a big chunk of my time out and do this you know am I do is this mm. stupid because I'm not I'm not striving to be an actress. I'm not striving to be in Hollywood. This is not part of my long-term career. This is just an amazingly fun opportunity. Um, and I spent a few days talking to the casting agency, working out, you know, could I have a slightly smaller commitment time-wise? Um, and I remember a friend of mine who I had a conversation with, and he just said to me, he said, Zoe, when are you ever going to get a chance to be in a Hollywood film ever again in your entire life? And of all the films, it's Wonder Woman. Come on. How are you agonizing about this? And I thought, you know what? You're right. Mm-hmm. These, sort, these are the sort of opportunities that you, you don't pass up. Um, and the commitment was, um, it was 8 a.m. till midday, Monday to Friday, every week, for about six months was training. So I thought, that's okay, because I can... There were some days where I'd get up and do a client before I went into training. Then i go to training, then I'd drive back into town, kind of shoving food in on the way. And then I'd work in the afternoons and evenings oh and gosh. weekends. So it was, it was exhausted. an exhausting six months. Because the training itself was exhausting. Um, but I was doing two things that were amazing. You know, mm. I loved my job as a personal trainer. And on, in the mornings, I was being paid to go to the gym and work out with world-class trainers and then learn and like 20 play years. with swords. I mean, it was – I had to pinch myself. And then I knew at the end of that, they were going to send us to Italy for five weeks okay. in the spring where it was going to be beautiful and pay for us to be there. I mean, okay. So, yeah. So you get through, I mean, six months. I mean, and mm. your bodies were transformed. I, I mean, yeah. I, I look at – and I, I've seen pictures of what it was like, you know, the training, and I've seen mm. pictures of, of the boot camps and so forth. Like – the, the shape that they were able to get you guys in really portrayed the characters that we wanted to see. You were true Amazons. Yeah. Right? Like, you were sculpted. Your bodies mm. were strong. And so I really think they did a great job in preparing yeah, you over absolutely. those months for it. Um, 
and it it wasn't yes absolutely uh, the transformation in our in our bodies was quite incredible um but uh, another big piece of the training that i think was so important and which was important to the trainers from the get go was that they wanted it wasn't just a case of they could easily have said go off and get in shape for six months mm-hmm. or they could have you know found women who already had this shape but they wanted us to go through this transformation together to train together to suffer t- so badly <laughs> together so that you the bond that then is created as a result of that is so tight it was like an army training together I, if that no, makes it sense does. so that by the time we got to set we really felt like an actual sisterhood as an Amazon army mm-hmm. would have been, you know, they would have you would grown have, up training You would have together. jumped in front of a, of a sort of force for your... But actually, really, really yes. it, it was such an incredible unit of girls. And I've never, I've never been in a group of girls before where there is so little competition and so much support. Um, and yeah, we would have done anything for so, each other for each other uh and so you get through the training and then they whisk you off <laughs> to <Yes>. italy <laughs> can you believe it you're there they did they kept that secret for a long time as well oh as to where they were sending yeah. you yeah so okay we knew so you didn't even know where you were going abroad mm-hmm. and that it was likely be warm okay but we didn't know i think until a month or so into the training it was very secretive, mm-hmm. the film world. You don't know a lot till kind of... I think it was... I think they need to do that, though, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, it makes sense mm-hmm. because for the for the person that's buying the ticket yeah. and going in to see, they want that... They want to be in awe. They want to not really know yeah. how it all kind of came together. Exactly. Okay, so let's go through the five weeks that you spent yeah. in Italy. Um, well, so we... There were maybe four or five different locations, uh, some very obscure and off the beaten track, Um some, there was a, a city called Matera in Italy, which is one of the oldest cities in the world. It's so stunning and beautiful. All these these rooms built into caves. And that was where a lot of um, Paradise Island or Themyscira was filmed. Yes. And then heavily CGI'd. But <laughs> the basis of it. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for at least admitting that it was yes. heavily. Because yes, yes. that doesn't really, uh, really exist. Uh, did, and did you spend five weeks wearing those? Like, what was the fitting like? So the, for the fitting started costumes. actually very early on in the training, which was interesting because we were saying if we all had costumes made individually for us, mm-hmm. so we said Everyone if had we're going to change shape a lot, mm-hmm. <laughs> costumes. <laughs> <laughs> so they had to be kind of smart about you might get a bit bigger here or a bit smaller there, and mm-hmm. um, but we had sort of fittings on regular basis through the through the training. And there were two outfits that we had. We had one, which was for the big beach battle scene where the Germans and the Amazons right. fight, um, which was more covered. It had sort of the high boots and then the, the tasseled skirt um, and the, the body piece, corset, shoulder pad kind of things. And then there was a second um, outfit, which was the scenes on Themyscira when you have the, uh, you know, sort of the queen walking through the island and there are Amazons training in the background. Right. It, it was, that was called our training scene outfit. And that was a little bit more skimpy, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, kind of shorter skirts, crop top type things. Everyone's was slightly different. Um, that one was very comfortable. The actually, training one. The okay. training one. Um, but of course, the days we filmed that were really cold. So we were freezing in these. So it was between sets, we'd all run off and get our big coats and then as soon as <laughs> run back on. Um, but the, the beach battle costume was so uncomfortable. It was so awful. It looked incredible. It did. You put it on and you looked in the mirror and every time, every day I put it on, I just got goosebumps. It was, I just felt so badass in it. Um, but it was brutal. I had blisters all over my feet. Heels in sand we had to run on the beach in heels in these little in these wedges, <laughs> like, and then it was a full leather corset with kind of sharp bits that would dig in and give everyone strange blisters. And it oh. was very tight the corset, and then the headpiece would somehow pressed pressed on certain pressure points, which gave everyone quite bad migraines. Sand everywhere. It was hot, so you're sweating, and the sand sticks and gets in all these weird places. And 
Yeah, uh, but I, I will when I watch it for the fifth time. Now, <laughs> you'll see it differently. I'm gonna look just to see the Gosh, misery on our faces. They are chafing right now. So yeah. much, <laughs> so much. <laughs> okay, and what I what amazes me is how powerful the scenes are. But that you mentioned you were there for five weeks, and yet it and yet after editing, it really comes down to just a couple of minutes so of the film. That beach battle like scene, on, like six um, months for a couple that, that minutes. Beach battle scene, uh, which is maybe not even a couple of minutes, maybe a minute of, of film time. We were there filming for two weeks. There was a week of rehearsal before that, and God knows how many weeks of set up before when we weren't there. There were, I think, around 700 people involved in that scene alone who came over from the UK. Wow. Um, we took over multiple kind of beachside resorts there. Um, they even, the, the horses in that scene, they're UK stunt horses. So they were so they were flown. driven okay. to Italy um, weeks in advance, and if I if I remember correctly, yeah, they had to build stables on site at each different site that they needed the horses because there weren't stables there. So I mean, just the, the scale of yeah. these things is unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. And yeah, after editing, it's this tiny little one minute. But it was about it was two two weeks, and then a bit of rehearsal time for that beach battle scene, and then the rest of the time was spent filming kind of little little um, like the scene where she finds she finally has this power, yes. and um, that was about a week. That was about a week of filming. And Just for that one scene, that fight yeah. scene where she realizes yeah. uh, um, her strength. <laughs> It was very hot those days, and there was a lot of sitting around. You know, there were a lot of Amazons sitting up on the kind of on the yeah. cliff faces either side, basically you were getting were. sunstroke <laughs> and hiding bottles of water under the grass so that between sets they could try and douse themselves down. Um, oh. So the the filming conditions were, were oh my interesting. God. <laughs> um, can I ask? You know, what was uh, gal like? I mean, what Lovely. were the, what were the actual? kind of the main characters like so so lovely this podcast is brought to you by extension marketing they're a new breed of marketing agency that acts as your virtual marketing department designing and implementing cost-effective marketing strategies that will grow your business i can speak to this personally as i've been using the extension marketing team to help me launch and grow my business founder pat whalen has been a lifesaver for me a genuine coach guiding me along the way into uncharted territory Tell them you're a friend of the show and receive a free one-hour consultation. Check them out at extensionmarketing.com. It's so warm, so friendly, no kind of us and them mm-hmm. attitude. Um, probably the person that we trained the closest with from the main cast was Connie Nielsen, who is um, Wonder Woman's mom. You're right. A queen. Yes. Uh, in the film. And she was amazing. She was one of my idols because gladiator when i was growing up was one of my favorite films ever and she's you know the weird emperor's sister in gladiator and i always thought she was just the most beautiful amazing woman i watched that film i cannot tell you how many times growing up so then suddenly we're in the gym and she's there because they had to themselves yeah get in as much of this character as possible too um and she would really get stuck into Mm. workouts and really push herself and you know, when there were group workouts and we were put together, and she would be encouraging us right. and vice versa. And, she's a, and they're a little bit older. Yeah, she's you know. in her 50s. Like, and sh- she was amazing. Absolutely amazing. The, the, they had a presence, for sure. Mm. I do, you had a little bit more of the interaction with Gal because there was, an, you unfortunately... A little snafu. You, you got hurt. <laughs> so, Which offered, I, you know, so go through I that. I got hurt, but it wasn't anything to do with filming ridiculously and annoyingly it was on a a travel day so we had I can't remember where we were going to and from but we'd had to get up early it was after we'd finished filming the beach battle scene that was it and uh those days had been long there were call times of you know we had to be in hair and makeup at kind of 5 a.m and then we wouldn't we'd be on set at 7 a.m and we'd not wrap till 7 p.m and then there'll be de-rigging, mm. and then you kind of wouldn't get to bed till 10, 11, and up again. So it was two and a bit weeks of very, very long days. I was physically complete. And after the six months that had come before that, I was spent. Um, 
so it was after that. And then the next, we woke up for a travel day and we had to travel five hours by coach somewhere. The next, I think it was Ravello we were going to. Yeah, on the Amalfi Coast, which is so beautiful. Um, and I woke up, I hadn't eaten any breakfast. I got on the coach, so I hadn't moved, just sat there for five hours. Didn't eat that much on the journey. Got to this hotel uh, and we kind of all said to each other, let's dump our stuff and then let's get a, a cab into town and just see town because we were going to start working again straight mm. away the next day. So being an idiot that I am, I was one of the first ones out waiting for a cab. So I was waiting outside the front of the hotel. And I thought, oh, it's a big space here. I'm just going to practice my handstands. And I shouldn't, <laughs> like, it was such a stupid thing to do. I was so tired. I was not warmed up. I was not fed. I was an idiot. And I did one and fell. Fine. I did a second one. And it was actually, ironically, one of the best handstands I've ever done. I had a good hold going. <laughs> so then I got cocky. So I was like, yeah, I'll do a couple more. Did my third one. And, uh... Yeah, and fell badly out of it. Had a very slow reaction time, so I didn't kick down. I just dislocated my elbow. Oh, God. Uh, Landed on my face, cut my face, cut my shoulder. Um, Can still hear the the crack of it dislocating. And then the same crack, as I stood up, it kind of went back in. Thank God it went in on its own. Um, And then I started pacing up and down very fast going, well, the, the girls who were there, Oh my God, Zoe, are you okay? Something you okay? I said, I'm totally fine. I just think I need some ice. I'm going to need to ice this. I think it just came out. Um, and then uh, had to, well, then it was kind of a bit chaotic. How do you go and tell the Well, so the we called um, the, the guy who was sort of looking after us, as it were. And he said, because we were staying in a hotel slightly out of town. So he said, get into town and I will get the set medic to come and find you mm-hmm. and look at you. So we went into town, but it must have been about an hour and a half. For whatever reason, I don't know. Nothing makes sense in my head over those hours, why it was so long. But I was I was sitting on a step in a courtyard in this city with my elbow propped up on a friend and an ice bag under it, trying to just keep it cool and drain some of the fluid out. And then he came and took me to a clinic uh, and at that clinic, the doctor said, you've dislocated it. You're going to need surgery today or tomorrow. And I'm going, oh, my God, okay. Um, this is all happening in Italian via Google Translate as well on phones. I'm thinking my whole career, my personal trainer, need my body, need my arm, this, oh, what is, uh, what's happening? Panicking, freaking out. Anyway, then I got referred to a hospital. So I went to a hospital, and the doctor there told me it was just bruised, and I was fine. <laughs> Then I ended up seeing another doctor oh who said it was all com- it was just chaos, um, and uh, <laughs> I my biggest concern was I don't want to be sent home. I'm having so much fun here. Please <laughs> don't cast me because just put me in like a little a little thing and just I, add more to my costume and make it yeah, more of a and bandage. I can put a, you know yeah. some sort of a wrap around it and make it look like it's a wound or I don't know. And anyway, they were speaking Italian. Finally, I get into this room. And the guy says he's going to wrap it up. And I said, via Google Translate, please, please don't put it in a hard cast. And he said, no, 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 don't worry. And he starts working on it. And this, this you're putting a hard cast <laughs> on me. And it wasn't just a cast over my elbow. He went from my fingers pretty much up to my armpit in a right angle like this. So it could not have been a bigger cast. Um, so... Didn't I really know what would happen at that point. Right. Um, I was completely devastated. I was just sitting there hopelessly in tears going, oh, I don't want to go home. Um, and went back to the to the hotel, slept that night. Next morning, I, spoke, I have a physio back in London who I used mm-hmm. to see quite res- regularly. Uh, and I called him and I just told him what had happened. Because, you know, long term, right. I, like, yeah. I need to look after this injury. And I said, I've been put in a cast. And he said it's actually very old school to cast dislocations because if you imagine it's locked in that position, if you keep it locked, it can actually get locked Mm -hmm. and you will lose full range of motion over time. Uh, He said, so I would actually recommend you take it off. I was like, right, okay. So then I went to set the next day uh, to see there was a set physio who said she would see me. Um, And while I was there, there happened to be all the stunt doubles who were working on the the film, who obviously have had all sorts of injuries all the time. And, you know, they were saying what happened. And I said I dislocated it. And they all said, 
take if it off. I were you, I would take this off. Um, so I spoke to the set physio and she said, I can't take it off you, but if you want to, that's completely your call. <sighs> so I got back to the hotel that night um, and I was like, right, I have to get this thing off. They're really hard to get off. What did you go to the kitchen I and went try to, to the find reception a knife? at the hotel yeah. and I said, do you have a pair of scissors? So he gave me a pair of scissors and I just <laughs> hacked it. And I can't remember, because I remember none of the other girls were there to help me. They must have still been on set. I was like, oh God, I have to do this myself. So I hacked away at it and pulled it off and, and it was black underneath my whole elbow, you know, all the bruising. Yeah, bruising. Um, and then weirdly, about 24 hours later, um, my whole arm just filled with fluid. So it was like I became this sort of elephant man with this huge, I had no knuckles, Swell, I yeah. had no, <laughs> it just went, um, but the sort of silver lining of that injury was that I couldn't obviously be in any of the scenes. I couldn't, even when the, the cast yeah. came off, I wasn't mobile enough to get into my costume because they were quite fiddly. You had to, you couldn't get in it yourself. You had to be dressed by other people. So I couldn't actually get into my costume. But they said, uh, because I was, um, I'm, I'm the same height and build and sort of color as Gal, um, they said, can you do her um, stand-in work? Um, which is, when they're setting up a scene, it's all off-camera work. Um, so it's less glamorous than it sounds initially. Um, but it's when they set up a scene, they need people who look like. the same-ish, um, who will uh, be where the actors are going to be so they can set up the right lighting mm -hmm. and all that. And you kind of walk through the scene and they put down markers of where they need to be. And then the main actors come down and they watch all the stand-ins, how right. Patty's kind of arrange yeah. them and how they want the scene to work out. And uh, yeah, so then I ended up actually staying longer than any of the other Amazons. So to when that bit was all done, mm -hmm. there were a couple scenes that were just um, Wonder Woman. Mm -hmm. And so I got to see you standing for that, which was which amazing. Was, okay. You have this experience. You can finally share it with so many people what, what this is really like. What was it like then to sit in a theater and see it come together on the big screen? Amazing. Uh, and And what was nice about it was that it was with all the other girls. So they put a screening on um, for cast and crew uh, in in London. And it was, oh, it goosebump, real, real goosebump moments. Although it's funny when, when you've been involved in, in a film being made, when you watch it on camera, it's difficult. When you watch it on the screen, it's mm -hmm. difficult to see the film as you would see it. Because I kept seeing all the other stuff yeah, around that it. I knew was around it. <laughs> That wasn't there. And then when you see the, the craft CGI, table was on the exactly, other side exactly. <laughs> of, of that wall. Yeah, yeah. all sort of silly things that had happened during that scene. Yeah. You know? um, but it was really special to have the girls there. And we were all sort of ooing mm. and aahing and cheering and yeah. all the way through it. And, and then the response, though. I mean, it was yeah. so well received. Yes. You know, it, to have the, the female empowerment version also. Your first yeah. real, you know, female superhero. Yeah, and the fact that, I mean, it's done well enough mm -hmm. that there's going to be a second as well is very, very exciting. Um, Does that call back some Amazons? So, yes. Um, but, so I recently found out that I'm pregnant. They're mm -hmm. casting right now um, in London. And I was asked to go in for a stunts physical mm -hmm. assessment for archery, horse riding, and swimming. Uh, for filming in July, August, and September uh, of this year. Which and I'm due means in eighth, ninth month pregnant <laughs> and brand new baby. So very bad timing, but I'm holding out for yes. Wonder Woman 3. Okay. <laughs> I think you're in for quite the adventure, though, yes. with the arrival of a new baby. Yes. And so we kind of can package that into kind of how, I, by now people are like, she's got a British accent. She's been talking about <laughs> London. Uh, as to kind of really how you're ending up here uh, in Ottawa. And so I want to kind of make mention that you are married to world-renowned uh, conductor Alexander Shelley and he is the music director here at the National Arts Centre mm -hmm. uh, but he has been uh, the principal conductor the associate conductor of London's um, the Royal Philharmonic there mm -hmm. just finished like a massive stunt from like what was it 2009 that he was uh, also with is it the Nuremberg, Nuremberg Symphony, yeah. like I hit 
what a partnership the two of you kind of had. And you met really quite young. Yeah. Well, you were younger than he was. <laughs> uh, yes. But you met when you were playing with the National Youth Orchestra um, yes. of Britain. Yeah. So kind of go back and kind of take us I through. end up? Well, you know, <laughs> well, you, well, you kind of, we talk about that and then there's a baby. But there's this really wonderful, very unique relationship um, yeah. meeting as, as young musicians. And yeah. he was kind of, had already begun conducting. What was that like? You were a cellist. I was a cellist, um, and I was taking the cello relatively seriously at that time. Um, He was uh, the assistant conductor of the orchestra I was playing in at the time, and his career was only just, it was just after we met that he won a big competition, a conducting competition in in Britain that kind of launched his career. So I like that, that I've that you knew him before he was who he is. Yeah, yes, that. <laughs> but that I've, I've really seen it grow from mm-hmm. nothing to, to what it is now, his career. Um, and I, I think it was actually part of my decision to not pursue music was that I had this relationship with him. This was a part of it. This was obviously not the entire decision. But a part of me thought, you know, he, he does enough music for the both of us. Um, and... Do I want to have a relationship where we both do the same thing? Which I know works for many people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought maybe maybe something different. I'll, n- I'll never lose music, you know, especially if he's in the picture. Right. And you have that passion. You understand it. It's a common language. Which helps. Because I think his world would be so weird if I hadn't come from a classical right. music background or didn't know anything about it. It would be a lot more challenging to... Or, right. Or, less accessible I think or more hard work but there's an understanding though when he's conducting when he's looking through music when he's coming up with these new programs I mean there's someone to bounce things off of you know you know the music and you know the training and I I look at the training that you did for one woman and Mm -hmm. understand it because as a musician you were training and playing the cello I'm assuming hours upon hours a day in your in your youth yeah. to get to the level that yeah. you're at. So a, a very transferable skill from music <laughs> is discipline. Mm-hmm. Uh, so definitely that will have helped now in a very different way, but towards the way that I train and the way I train mm-hmm. for that film, for sure. Do you miss playing? Do you still play? Like, is there a cello um, somewhere in the house? There is a cello. Mm-hmm. I haven't played for maybe eight, eight years. Wow, not even um, to pick it up. I do sometimes mm-hmm. miss it. Especially when I hear pieces in the orchestra. Because playing in an orchestra was my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. There's almost nothing like it in the world, I don't think. Um, and when I hear some of my favorite pieces of music being performed, you know, with Alex, that really makes me miss it. But it's it sort of, you know, I, I didn't go down the music route, went into the more corporate world, and didn't practice for a while. Then I get my cello out and I play it and it'll be not very good. So I put it away and mm-hmm. it'll be even longer till I got it out again. And then it'll be really bad. And it was kind of depressing. It is. When so, you've done something at a very elite level, yeah. I find it's very hard to go back. Yeah. Because and you be remember what it was and it, like. Yes. <laughs> and it's kind of like, no, it was really yes. good. Like, yeah, Are you like that? When have you? When's the last time you picked up a squash racket? Because oh, also yes. in your youth, you were, a, you were a high level squash player. Yeah, so I, I played uh, competitively squash from about, I started about the age of 11. Um, and I ended up uh, representing my county, Surrey, uh, through to the age of 17. Pretty much every weekend I was playing in competitions around the country, being shipped everywhere by my dad. Um, and yeah, now, terrible okay. at squash. It has been yeah, <laughs> terrible. Oh, it's awful. Um, but yeah. Okay, I'm looking at, and I'm, I'm thinking there's parents, there's, there's athletes that are listening to this, that you were playing both cello mm-hmm. to the point where you're playing with national youth orchestras mm-hmm. and you're competing squash mm. to the point where you're representing you know and playing for your country mm. like county the county when where was there a break how uh, how did you it, it when is there too much that you're doing yeah. or or do you still say when you're busy and you're committed to things you can figure it out and make it work it happened around uh the time i was doing my a levels in the uk which is around 16 17 and i had to make the decision i had because i also i also played uh at school lacrosse and netball and I, you know the school okay. sports um and I first had to make a decision, is it squash or is it music? Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to let squash go when I was seven, about 17. Um, so I let that go. And it even got to the point where I had to stop playing in the teams. I remember having this conversation with my lacrosse coach because I loved, loved, loved lacrosse. 
Um, and I said to her, I just, because I was also applying for a music scholarship to university, even though I wasn't going to study right. music. You had already met Alexander by this time, yes. I should mention. Yes. Even though she's, like, she's 17. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> and uh, I had to let those team things go just because I at least couldn't do everything to the level that I wanted mm-hmm. to. Uh, so I just had to make those sacrifices and say, well, where am I going to focus my attention and my energy and do those things properly? So it was my academic work and uh, my music that I kept and others had to go. Uh, but but that meant that because I kind of let the sports stuff go, when I got to university, it wasn't a thing that was front of mind. So I didn't really do, I didn't do any sport, any gym at university I really enjoyed university life. I did the uni thing. Yeah. I ate badly. I drank a lot. I had fun. Um, but I really physically was in terrible shape. And that led to, I suppose, when I came out of university, having this moment of, oh, right, okay, I need to sort this out. This isn't And then me. I fell into training, CrossFit, Pilates, personal training, and then I guess... And that's Wonder where, and, and that's really the launch, right? Is kind mm. of realizing that's where your passion mm. was. It wasn't to follow after you'd finished university and follow mm. music, and you wanted to have mm. Alexander have that for mm. both of you. And so you did. You launched into a personal well, even training, before I right? Did that I I had no idea what I wanted to do when when I was picking my university. Um, my my subjects before I went to university at school they were maths, chemistry, biology, and music. I thought, I'm not going to be music. I said, I don't want to be a mathematician, biologist, or chemist. Um, but I don't know what else I want to be. Uh, so I ended up thinking, right, I'll pick a good university, and I'll do a good degree. And hopefully those two things will mean doors will open at some point in the future. Um, so I ended up at Imperial College in London, which is a great, great school. It's just a science university. And I did uh, what was a joint honors chemistry and management degree. Because I thought, I'll get a science degree. But I'd like to do as little science as possible. So what it was, it was two years of chemistry. And then there was a business school affiliated with the university. So it was two years of chemistry. And then the final year was management. And I thought, this is perfect. Because then I, when I go into the corporate world, which then was kind of the only thing I could see myself going mm-hmm. towards, say, well, I can show that I have you know, a scientific, logical brain with the science and that I have business skills because I've done a year of management. And I can go into a blue chip company and work in management and do I don't know what but I thought that was a sensible degree to have so I did that and then I ended up um, going into the IT world for about three or four maybe five years I started a small startup IT telco startup worked in sales Um, I just don't see you did that no no, I I did that for a year or two and then I thought I should probably get a graduate scheme do you have these here graduate schemes Mm -hmm. Oh, I should like probably graduate get a, school, like a graduate degree, no, um, uh, over top of university, or no, like a. No, no. So it's it's when big companies offer it. So I ended up doing one with IBM. So they take on graduates people okay. who just come from university, yeah. and it's normally a sort of one year ish program where they kind of want to fast track these graduates into high level management mm-hmm. positions, and they have specific programs they put you through. And it, it's kind of they're very competitive, and it's it's a great thing to have on your CV. You know, where did you get your graduate program from? So I was doing this startup thing, and, and I thought I should probably get a, a graduate program on my CV for, I don't know what, the future, maybe. So I applied to a bunch, um, applied to IBM, got totally sucked in by all their marketing, drank the IBM Kool-Aid, was like, oh, I'm going to change the world at IBM, and rah. of course I wasn't. Um, it's a huge, it's half a million employees, and you're this one tiny person in it. Um, but So I was there then for a couple of years, and... You know, it was it was a job, and it was it was a great graduate program to be on. But there was nothing that really excited me about my work, um, and I mean nothing. It was just sitting at a desk all day. I didn't feel good in myself and yeah. my body. I wasn't particularly challenged mentally. And I'm thinking um, of all the other things that you accomplished. You had to kind of go, okay. Yeah, it was. But but I was I was. Um, I think I get it from my mom. Um, because so my parents separated when I was about 15 
And she always said to me, um, and kind of drummed into me from when I was young, she was like, you must be financially independent. Must be. Mm. She's Chinese. She's a bit tiger mom, a bit crazy. I really um, hadn't figured that out with the cello <laughs> and the squash. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like for, yeah, I, I wasn't going to say that, but I'm glad you Makes did. Sense now. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so, so she'd really drummed that into me. And so there was something very stubborn in me that went, I don't enjoy it, but I'm good. I must keep doing it because this is the right thing to. And very, she was very much. You are a doctor or a lawyer or a senior management mm-hmm. in a blue chip, right? Or she you had have kind of Wonder failed Woman. in life, yeah. not failed in life, but you know, this yeah, is what like you aim for. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, this is just going to be me for the next 20, 30 years, whatever. But I wasn't. I wasn't happy about it. And at the same time, I'd, you know, I'd left university. I realized I was not in shape. I was, I gotta sort this out. So I started going to a reformer Pilates class. Loved it. It was it was very boot camp Pilates. I think any classical Pilates person would turn in their grave at what happened in those classes. Um, but loved it. Started to lose a bit of weight. One of the trainers there was a personal trainer who was very much in the CrossFit world, and we became good friends. And he said, "Come down to the gym and do some personal training sessions. I think you'd really like it." Uh, and so I did, and we started doing some CrossFit stuff together. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It was nice to get back to that. Mm-hmm. physical side of my right. life and and you know pushing yourself and going to these very dark places but surviving them um and it became this thing that it was all I wanted to do it was all I talked about I was making all these new friends in that world and everyone around me was going why don't you just do this just you won't shut up about it so become a personal trainer but I think my conditioning from <laughs> my crazy mom mm-hmm was very much, I can't do that. That's not a proper job. That's not an okay thing to do. Um, But it kind of got to the point with work at some stage where I really just had enough and I thought, right, that's it. I'm going to do this absurd thing Mm. that is scary and I don't know how it's going to work out. So I quit my job. Uh, Did In the UK, it's a six-week course you have to do to be qualified Mm. to be a PT did that um, and really, really never looked back. I'm, uh, and yeah. you've done incredibly well. You've got quite the profile uh, in London. I mean, I've looked through and follow you on, on social media. Like you were asked to do things. You were part of like a brand ambassador campaigns mm-hmm. and you had, you know, clothing apparel. Like, I mean, you've been mm-hmm. able to really do that. And now I'm watching you train now four months pregnant uh, and it's about encouraging and I really feel that you're really trying to showcase and show people the the benefits or the effects of what you're hoping to do of of continuing to work out through the pregnancy yeah I mean this is uh, something I have a very sensitive spot about Mm -hmm. (laughs) which I try not to because when you get defensive about something it really turns people off Um, but I, I I'm pregnant not handicapped or disabled you know, like we're, we're capable of incredible things. And there's this myth that exercise bad, exercise miscarriage. I remember when I first found out I, I was pregnant, the number of people who said to me, I hope you're going to dial it down now. I hope you're going to stop going to the gym. And it doesn't matter if you get fat. Mm. And, and I said, well, firstly, it's not about getting fat. I mean, okay. a lot of people's fitness journeys start from they want to lose weight. Mine absolutely did. So I get that. But hopefully for a lot of people over time it morphs into okay well I'm sort of in the shape I want to be in now it's about strength and transferability of what you can do in the gym into your real life and do you move well and are you injury free and and are you strong and just healthy um and all of this applies when you're pregnant and it's so important for moms for and for the babies as well and if I can just convince even if it was one or two women that you can safely train when you're pregnant and therefore, you know, change their pregnancy for the better, that would just mean the world to me. Well, you're, you're posting it. I'm you're trying. sharing I'm it. Trying. Yeah, so <laughs> I, is that something you want to be able to do and use the yeah. social media platform to be yeah. able to kind of show? Yeah. So where can people follow you? Uh, Instagram is mm-hmm. the main um, channel. I use my handle, Z underscore Shelly. Mm-hmm. Um, and There's a lot of TRX. She likes to use her TRX, by I do. the way. TRX, I know. Yeah. well, because of what I travel yeah. quite a lot. It's um, perfect tool to take with, with my you. life. I can take it anywhere, mm-hmm. hotel rooms, home, here. So it's great. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing how the pregnancy unfolds. Yeah, and, and the fact that I think you and Alexander know that you're going to actually 
baby's going to be Canadian. A little Canadian a little. baby. <laughs> I know. You're going to stay because the schedule kind of is a little bit lighter for him over the summer. And and it's, yeah. of course, completely crazy when the baby is due. Mm-hmm. So the baby's due right in the middle of his season opening here at the NAC. So it'll keep everyone on their toes. I'm sure there'll be ballots for when the baby's due. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I think so. I think uh, a, a lot of the uh, the season ticket holders are going to be looking. Uh, to see if he gets waved see. off stage mid-concert because this could actually happen. <laughs> and all of a sudden the baton is no yes. longer in movement. <laughs> it's running out the door. Yeah. Uh, and I... I Do you feel like the city has embraced you? Uh, And I, you know what? I feel so, so welcome and at home here. It's been amazing. I think ordinarily having a baby abroad, away from your family and friends, would be a really, really huge deal. But I have been made to feel so supported and loved and cared for by everyone here. It's been so moving. And it's made a huge decision like that, mm-hmm. not such a huge one. It was a very easy one for us to, to just make. to say we're going to stay here. Yeah, and so, I, yeah, everyone's been okay. amazing. Just, okay, one, like two more questions. One, mm-hmm. are you playing music for the baby? Uh, well, I'm going to Alex's concert. Yeah. And it was funny, the other day in the concert, I had my arms crossed over my belly, and I was like, well, maybe he can't hear. That. So I uncrossed my arms so the sound so the, could wash so the baby over my can hear. <laughs> uh, I think we're gonna, definitely going to be kind of watching and seeing how things uh, evolve as well. But mm-hmm. if you if you had one thing to kind of say or one piece of advice, mm-hmm. uh, and having listened to you now, you know, I wanted to talk about advice you would have given to your younger self, but I think I, I wanted to be for someone who thinks that they're stuck, as you were working for IBM. Yeah. Uh, and going, this isn't where I want to be. One piece of advice to say it's okay to kind of do the unfamiliar and maybe what mom and dad aren't thinking is the right way. What would you say? I think I'd say, it's easier said than done, but don't be afraid of breaking the mold, of doing something that's not what is expected of you. Um, Because what is expected of you is not necessarily and often not what is going to make you happy long term so if you find something that even has a glint of lighting that fire or that passion inside of you grab it and run with it and do not look back it was so great to talk with you you had some fantastic stories zoe thank Thank you you. so much thank you for having me and there you have it another episode of living your life with leanne lang that was long how long did oh god i didn't shut up (laughs) Oh my. <laughs> how long did, how long was it you're gonna have a real fun editing job no i'm matt kundal host of the sound off podcast the show about podcast and broadcast since 2016 we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades legendary broadcasters research wizards talent experts podcasters voice talent almost 400 stories all for free Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.